You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Thank you for once again for joining us. And it is an interesting time in the world. And thinking about, you know, what's happening right now and how things have shut down, how concerts have been canceled, how movies have, you know, pretty much, you know, stopped coming out and stuff. We decided to use the Wayback Machine and actually get our music crew together tonight and actually talk about some of our best live performances we've ever seen. It, you know, and, you know, we're going to talk about different, you know, things we've been in person, different things we've seen, you know, maybe a concert on TV or something or on a movie. You know, there's so many different ways to see it or listen to it. It's pretty darn awesome. So we got our music crew here and they'll be with us in a little bit. But the man who I think of when I think of live music is Mr. Mike Gordon. How are you, sir? Howdy. You know, you... You used to work actually for Ticketmaster at one point, I think. I, I did, yes. Yes. I, I worked for them for about a decade, sure. Oh, wow. So did you get, like, the benefit of getting, like, tickets to go to shows and stuff because of it? or? Yeah, anything? I saw – I did see uh, a lot of shows. Um, and, and, yeah, that was a benefit of working there. Um, yeah, so I saw a lot of things that I never probably would have gotten to do uh, other than otherwise. So that was, that was pretty cool. I, that, yeah, that was probably the height of my concert going. Oh, that's pretty darn awesome that you got to do that and everything. You know, the closest I got to that was I worked at the, you know, Ticketmaster um, kiosk at the college uh, help center. And so, <laughs> so, so I got to watch the people line up and I used to be able to give them tickets and everything. So it was pretty cool. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about that all tonight, and we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com. And thank you, everybody, who's been listening to us for the forever. You know, we're up into the mid, almost, we're coming up almost to 525 already for episodes. So we've been doing this for quite some time, and I'm amazed when I see how many people are still listening to us. And waiting for us to talk and everything it's pretty cool and the feedback we get is always great so definitely you know please you know write us or you know if you haven't subscribed to us we're up on itunes stitcher spotify we're up on so many different places or we are also up on our new earth station one website where you can find all the stations where you can download us from or you could actually just listen to our show right from our website it's pretty darn awesome that we could do that. And we right now, we're eventually going to start, you know, putting older episodes up on the website. But right now, I think we go back maybe 60 to 70 episodes. So, you know, we got a long way to go to get into the archives for that. But we'll eventually do it, I promise. So definitely check us out. Big shout out and thank you to our patrons for listening. And, you know, we actually have a brand new patron as of today that's right folks somebody as of this date we have a new patron and we have to thank kevin rabner for becoming our newest patron thank you thank you kevin thank you kevin we appreciate it so another kevin you know we already have these too many kevins in our lives as it is but we're we're always appreciative of any kevin who wants to help support us 
So thank you, Kevin. And, you know, we appreciate any level and you could donate for us as little as a dollar a month, all the way up to $15. And you get different rewards at different levels. And all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash ESO network. doesn't hurt all that much to do it. And you get free bonus stuff. And there's a brand new show joining the Patreon exclusive world starting this next week. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the show. So that means you just have to listen in or anything. A uh, big shout out also to our new sponsor for Earth Station One. That's right, folks. We have our brand new sponsor. Of course, we're talking about the sunglass company, Tifosi. Hey there, Tifosi folks. That's right. Our friends at Tifosi are, you know, sponsoring us. They listened to our ad last week and they didn't get rid of us. So it's even better. So... We, our sponsor, Tifosi, is a major brand in sports sunglasses, which has expanded into lifestyle eyewear with their $25 Swank series. Coming in dozens of different colors, you can now mix and match lenses and frames in the Tifosi Custom Shop. So you'll have a pair that's totally unique from thousands of possible com- combinations. Also available are custom blue light filtering gaming and computer glasses, perfect for the recent housebound people. You probably already have sunglasses, but you can never have too many shades. At $25 for the Swank series, it's easy to make your next pair to Fozy, and you'll never go back to anything else. Use the code ESO Network for checkout for 10% off your order. All orders help support the ESO Network. And all you have to do is go to the fabulous website at tofosioptics.com. Doesn't hurt. 10% is always a nice thing. And thank you for sponsoring us, Tifosi. We do appreciate it. All right, let's dive in with both feet. Usually this is where Rants and Raves usually goes. And we're going to do something a little different tonight. We are actually going to start a new segment here on Earth Station One. We are going to be doing, guess what? Geek trivia. That's right. Each time we're going to have different friends of the show joining us. And we have this week for the first round Joining us, we have Kevin Eldridge talking about another Kevin. You can never have too many of us. We're everywhere. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Kevin. And we also have Robert Young from Borderland Comics up in Greenville, South Carolina. How's it going, guys? Excellent. So you guys decided to be the first victims for the geek trivia, huh? <laughs> yes, we're terrified. And Mikey. Definitely victims. Mikey, are you going to join <laughs> in too? Uh, sure. Okay. We'll see. We'll see if I can hang. Okay. Um, we're going to, you know, I would keep score, but scores don't really matter with us anyway. So, you know, we're pretty, you know, we'll, we'll do an unofficial score count. And I have the questions right here in my hand. So I'm not going to let you guys know. Um, the way we're going to do it is I'll be asking each one of you guys a question. And if they can't answer it, the other two could steal. And they get a point for it. So it's one point per question. And we'll go up to, you know, the time limit. Is that cool? Let's do it. Sounds good. All right. First category. I'm going to start with Robert. It's a Shazam question. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-huh. What kind of animal did Mr. Mine, a nemesis of the original Captain Marvel, resemble? One bear, a worm. Oh, sorry. You have to wait to the end. Sorry. you got it's either a rabbit, bear, snake, or a caterpillar. Caterpillar. Okay, correct. 
Okay. That, these are how hard the questions <laughs> are, folks. So, so, all right, Robert, you got the first point. Woo-hoo. Kevin. Yes. Which of the following was a character in the early days of detective comics back in the golden age? Speedy Saunders, Granny Goodness, Darium Drum, or Dr. Bedlam? Uh, I'm going to go with that. It certainly wasn't Granny Goodness. That's a Kirby character from the fourth world. Uh, I'm going to say Speed Saunders, A. Correct. All right. Good one. That is good. Okay. Good. Mike Gordon. Howdy. Okay. Who does Bizarro go on a road trip in in the 2015 comic series? Is it Superman, Lex Luthor, Jimmy Olsen, or Mr. Mixaplick? I'm going to take a stab because I really don't know. So I'll just say Jimmy Olsen. Correct. (laughs) Wow. Because who else would you want on a road trip, right? Exactly. Bizarro and Jimmy Olsen. It just doesn't get What could go wrong with that duo? (laughs) Out loose on the road together. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. Kevin. Yes. I'm going to give you a Spider-Man question. Oh, no. Okay. A little weak (laughs) on the Marvel, but let's try. What does J. Jonah Jameson do after finding out Peter Parker is actually Spider-Man during the Civil War? He changed his mind about Spider-Man. He sues Peter Parker, becomes a supervillain, or he leaves journalism forever. Uh, I'll say B, he sues. Correct. <laughs> These questions are too easy for you guys. <laughs> that just seemed like the more the, the most likely move for uh, Mr. Jameson. <laughs> okay, Seems Mike, like JJ would do that. <laughs> yeah. Mike Gordon. Who did Wolverine battle in his very first appearance? Magneto, the Hulk, Doctor Doom, or Apocalypse? I believe it was the Hulk. Correct. Because I think he appeared in a Hulk book, right? It was a Hulk comic book that he first appeared in, yes. (laughs) Okay. 181. 181, that's right. 181, exactly. Well, 180. Okay, Robert. Who created Power Pack? The Marvel oh. title, who it was, okay. who, who wrote it, and who was the artist on it? Oh, this one's not multiple choice. No, <laughs> I have no <laughs> idea. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I blurred it on the other one, and it was multiple choice. That's so. why I'm doing it this way. I'm not waiting. I have no idea. Uh, Anyone want to steal? I, I, uh, I, let's see, Louise Simonson. Correct. And, all right, there you go. And uh, man, who was the artist? I don't know. I want to say Paul Smith, but I know it's not Paul Smith. Uh, I, I can get 50%. I'll go with Louis Simonson. Okay. We'll give you a half a point. Anyone want to steal for a half a point? Yeah. We've I actually knew, had, we've I, actually had, we've actually had this artist on the show before. Oh, wow. I knew Louis yeah. Simonson, but I, I cannot remember the artist. I've met the art team and now I can't oh, recall wow. their names. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, the same way. I'm strong they're, blank. They're so nice people. Um, and they just recently did a power pack story, uh, within the last, uh, well, just recently, I think, mm-hmm. um, man, nope, I can't. It's okay. just, they're so nice and I can't remember their name. Power pack was created by Louise Simonson and artist June Brigman. June Brigman. Right. And then I think her husband worked on it too. Yes. Right? He was the inker. Yeah, he was the inker. Right. Okay, so got a half point on that, Robert. 
First one to miss. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's because it right. was the first one that was not multiple choice. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I want to keep you guys. I want to keep you guys on your toes. All right, let's go into the next round. All right, Robert, which famous comic book artist is also an escape artist? Is it Steve Ditko, Howard Chankin, Walt Simonson, or Jim Steranko? Jim Steranko. Correct. Yes. I don't want to know how you know that. <laughs> he was. He, he actually was, fell. He, he fell out of a Ferris wheel, right? Yes. Oh, I did not know that. Damn, wow. That's uh, extreme. Because I think he was one of the inspirations for uh, Kirby's Mr. Miracle character. Right. He was also mm -hmm. an escape artist. Right? Okay, Kevin. Yeah. What was Marvel's first licensed comic? Was it G.I. Joe, The Transformers, Conan the Barbarian, or Star Wars? Ah, uh, that's pretty simple to work out chronologically since <laughs> Conan comes way ahead of those other characters from the early 70s. I'll go Conan the Barbarian. Correct. Okay, Mr. Mike Gordon. Yes, sir. Which of the following was not a quality comic character? Was it Plastic Man, Doll Man, Bozo the Iron Man, or Fat Man the Human Flying Saucer? Uh, just to take a stab at it, I'm going to say Plastic Man. Wrong. Mm -hmm. Plastic Man was definitely one of the quality ones. Okay. Anyone want to steal? I, what was ahead, that? Kevin. The the, uh, the, four, the the third one I have never heard of before. That what was it Bozo something? Bozo the Iron Man. Yeah, and, and the fourth it, one was Fat Man the Human Flying Saucer. I don't think fat man was a quality character so i'll say fat man he you're correct fat man the human flying saucer he appeared in the short-lived lightning comics okay kevin you got the point the fact that he was even a character that's amazing <laughs> couldn't have that character now mm, definitely <laughs> not okay robert how much did Superman creators Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster receive for the rights to their creations? $50, $130, $200, or $100 plus royalties? Hmm. I'm just going to guess 100 plus royalties. Wrong. No yeah, I have no idea on that one. Uh, I know this one, but I stole the last one, so maybe Mike should get a shot at stealing this one. <laughs> wow, you're not very competitive at all, Kevin. <laughs> <Wow, Kevin. laughs> <laughs> not in the least. Especially yeah, considering how much are. is riding on this game right now, the stakes that we're playing for right now. <laughs> either, that or you just, or either that or just you have every confidence that I'm going to blow it. Um, uh, well, yeah, I know it's not the royalty thing. Definitely not the royalty. No, they got screwed on so, the royalty. Yeah, they got screwed by that. Um, and yeah, there should be an E, not enough, right? Um, <laughs> uh, so I'll, I don't know. What were the other three? 50, 130, or 200. 130 seems pretty random, so I'm going to say 130. You were correct, sir. Oh, yeah. All right. Good job, Mikey. What a bargain for DC Comics. Okay. Yes. I know, really. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Okay. The, the bargain of the century. <laughs> what, what a bargain for all of us, really, right? Yeah. Like it, oh, very much so. Yeah, okay. I mean, he changed everything. All right, Mike Gordon. Marvel created the super team as a take on the Justice League. Fill in the blank. What is the name of the team? Squad and Supreme. Correct. All right, Kevin. Yes. All right. When did Howard the Duck run for president? 1972, 1976, 1980, or 1984? Well, 72, I think, would be too early for Howard. And uh, the mid-70s, I think, was really his uh, peak years. I'm pretty sure we're looking at uh, 76. You are correct. Good job. Good job. All right. Of course, he really peaked in 84 with that wonderful movie. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. He would have won that year. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) I think he did uh, come out ahead of Mondale. (laughs) (laughs) Who wouldn't? (laughs) All right. Robert, this is a fill in the blank. Who created the comic book, The Boys, now an Amazon TV show? Garthiness. Correct. Or Ennis. Is it Ennis? I think Ennis. it's Ennis. Garth Ennis. Yes. Okay. All right. Mike Gordon. Who did Batman propose marriage to in 2017? Uh, that would be Selena Kyle. You're correct. AKA Catwoman. Is that what you're looking for? Yep. I knew you meant. Okay. Kevin. Yeah. This is a fill in the blank. Okay. Who is the law in Mega City One? Oh, please. <laughs> That's, uh, well, some of us know him as Sylvester Stallone, but probably better known uh, to uh, the British science fiction fans as Judge Dredd. Perfect. I am the law. Yeah. I am the law. I am the law. Okay. The Carl Urban one was awesome. Yes, it was. Man, I still need to see that. Oh, dude. Oh, it's so good if you haven't seen it. That if is, you uh, get a chance to see it in Blu-ray or 4K, it is just amazing. I feel like I, I saw it and I thought it was okay, but maybe I have to rewatch it. But as I recall, I, I thought they they lost kind of the fun of Judge Dredd. Like, it seemed too serious, whereas Judge Dredd was kind of... There was a, a major goofy satire element in the comics. It was a good, oh, it was, it was definitely a, serious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah oh, sure. big time. Yeah. So it was definitely yeah, a different yeah. take on the character. I think I think they wanted to go completely away from the Sylvester <laughs> Get yeah. as far away from Rob <laughs> Schneider as we can. Uh, <laughs> all right, Robert. Yeah. Which series featured a African-American Nick Fury? Was it Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos? Captain America? The Ultimates? Or Nick Fury? The Ultimates. Correct. Excellent. You guys are doing good on these. These are too easy for you, I think. It's like we're geeks or something. I know. <laughs> Punching nerds. All right. We'll go to Eat Kevin. Ne- we'll go to Kevin next. Okay. Who was the creator of Alpha Flight in 1979? Uh, John Byrne. You are correct. Wow. Not bad for a DC guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why I'm asking you the Marvel ones. Oh, no. <laughs> you do seem to be targeting. Mm-hmm. Mike Gordon, 
What was Galactus's name in his original universe before he became a massive purple planet eater? Was his name Norin, Galen, Joe, or Tal? I knew it wasn't Joe. <laughs> so, uh, and I don't think it was Norin because I think that was the name of the Silver Surfer. If I'm right, I might, I might be way off on that. So, what would what would two and four? Two was Gallon and four was Tall. Well, he's pretty tall, so let's go <laughs> with Tall. Yeah, wrong. <laughs> What's this name? Is oh, it? Anyone want, else want to try to guess? Uh, gallon? You got it. <laughs> it. It was a 50-50 chance, you know? <laughs> I narrowed it down. Yes. All right. You it were right told. on Norin, though. Yes. You were right on Norin. That's uh, Silver Surfer. You were you were dead on on that one. You were definitely right on that one. Huh. All but right. I don't get a point for that. No, he doesn't. Robert. Story of my life. In Triumph and Torment, what is Doctor Doom, with the help of Doctor Strange, trying to do? A, rescue his mother from hell. Two, take over the world. Three, save the world. Four, find a cure for cancer. Is there one that has like get really good takeout during the pandemic? Is that not an option? That's not an option in this one. Sorry. No, it's possible. Possible I'm eating good takeout right now. That's um, good. Yeah. Um, how about uh, rescue his mother from hell? Correct. Good job. Yay. Kevin. Yes. Who was not especially successful second Avengers villain going back all the way back to the ni- early 1960s? Uh, more Marvel. Was, was it Pace <laughs> <laughs> Pot Pete? Was it the Thinker? Was it the Space Phantom? Or was it Fin Fang Foom? <laughs> uh, that last one, I think, that predates Avengers. That was one of those 1950s Marvel monsters. Uh, so I don't think it's Fin Fang Foom. Says the DC guy. Um, I, I know a little right? bit. I've been around a that little bit, awesome. you know. <laughs> um, Pastepot Pete, I've heard of. I know nothing about Pastepot Pete. The thinker, I'm vaguely aware of. Um, and what was the other one? The third one? The Space Phantom. Space Phantom. I've never heard of the Space Phantom. And so I'm going to go with the Space Phantom. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, Mr. Gordon, this is the final question. Which of the following would describe the original Hawkman? Was he a Viking warrior? Was he an English mercenary? Or was he an Egyptian prince? Or was he a French mystic? <sighs> The original Hawkman? Yes. Egyptian Prince was one of them, right? Yes, it was. That's yeah. number two. We'll go, with, we'll go with that one. You got it. Oh, Boom. Yeah. All right. And that completes the first round of Geek Trivia. All right. So the scores as they stand, and we are going to have you guys back again. Mike Gordon has six points. Robert has six and a half. And Kevin is leading the pack with eight. How do you get a half? Because he answered half for, like two uh, power pack. Power pack. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. One half yes. for Louise Simonson. And so now all these questions get tossed into the garbage. There we go. 
<laughs> Is that, I thought that's where you got him from. No. <laughs> so we will be coming back again the next few weeks when these folks are available, and we're going to do the second round. And you, if you want to join with us, please write us at EarthStation1 at ESONetwork.com. Before we get out of here real quick, anyone want to do some promotion for their shows or their shop? Robert, you want to go first? Yeah, I wonder who you're plugging. Um, uh, currently, uh, July 18th and 19th is South Carolina Comic Con. Um, we haven't been told that we can't do it yet, so we're we're still on as far as we know at this point. Um, obviously, in this climate, that can always change, but you know we'll see how that goes. And uh, check out the shop Borderlands.us or check out Borderlands Comics and Games on Facebook. We'll actually be having uh, Facebook Live sales every Wednesday night uh, for vintage comics. So it's something we've started doing. Uh, to kind of reach out to our customers and stuff during this kind of challenging time while we were shut down, but it's been so fun. We're going to keep doing it. So is, is it open continue. to out of town people? Oh yeah. Yeah. We're shipping to folks. So it's no problem at all. And uh, we're digging through the warehouse and finding all kinds of fun goodies. Awesome. And that's borderlands comics in Greenville, South Carolina. Bunch so of definitely geeks. check it up, up on, on Facebook folks. And Kevin, you want to do the Flopcast real quick? Yeah, you know where to find me, and that is right here on the ESO Network. I do a podcast called the Flopcast. It's uh, my wonderful co-host, Cornflake, and I do a very silly, very geeky show every single week here for ESO. We're up to like episode 416 just came out, I think, uh, and we just keep getting goofier. Find us here, and you can find us at flopcast.net. Excellent. And you know what? You guys are trying to catch up with us. I know. <laughs> Someday. Someday. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for both of you guys. And let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. Hi, this is Ashley Paltz with this week's box office buzz. It's getting closer to about two months since I have been to see a movie in the theater I really miss it. I'm at the point where I'm so excited when the quarantine is safely lifted. I'd go to see just about any movie in the theater. I don't care what it is, what genre. I just want to go back to the theater. But thankfully, we got streaming services to keep us occupied. And there is some new stuff coming in the month of May, just in case you've already maxed out your queue. Something that I'm excited about is Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker is coming to Disney Plus on May the 4th. Now, it is kind of funny that I'm excited because, of course, I already bought the Blu-ray of this and have watched it multiple times. So, I'll probably never actually end up watching it on Disney Plus. But I'm excited that it's there. For whatever reason, if you hadn't seen it yet... It's a great way to catch it on Disney Plus, and I'm curious to see how many people will actually be brave and marathon the entire Skywalker saga once it's on Disney Plus. That's something I would still kind of like to do someday, even though the prequels aren't my most favorite. I would like to watch just episodes one through nine all in a row and just take in the story as a whole, although I don't know if I'll be able to watch them all in one day because that's a lot of movies. Anyhow, also speaking of Star Wars on Disney+, Plus, there's a new show called Disney Gallery The Mandalorian, which is an eight-episode documentary series that goes behind the scenes and showed how they filmed The Mandalorian, and I think that sounds really cool. I'm curious to see how they blended practical effects 
with um, sets and computer effects and also to see puppetry and things like that and costuming. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. Over on streaming service Netflix, the Back to the Future movies will be available to stream. Those are also movies I own at home, and but it's good if you don't have them. Those are fun movies to watch. There's also a new Netflix comedy TV series called Space Force, which I didn't even realize they were making, but sounds really funny, and stars uh, Steve Carell and John Malkovich as people who are trying to establish, you guessed it, the Space Force. And so I think that that looks like it's pretty funny. And also I'm kind of desperate for new and entertaining stuff to watch. So I might give that a try. And that's it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment related content, I blog over on the ESO podcast website. Recently wrapped up my Better Late Than Never Goes West blog series where I looked at classic westerns and I'll be continuing to find stuff to blog about as we all get through this quarantine together. Fans of podcast, I am Rusted Robot. Rusted Robot is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. Episodes in the hundreds with pop culture reviews and geek style news. I am Rusted Robot Podcast. You have come here for geek. Will you listen? Listen for free. No, we will run and we will live. I run and you'll live and dying in your beds many years from now. Would you be willing to trade all those days and come back here for just one more listen? They may take our lives, but they'll never take our Rusted Robot Podcast. Both of us have been to many different concerts over our lives and some stand out more than others. You know, some have been some that you really enjoy, you know, the music, enjoy the shows and everything. Others you want to bring tomatoes with so you could toss it at the band and everything. So it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about our favorite music moments and favorite concerts that we went to. It's going to be a great thing to do. And we have a great crew to talk all about it. Take it away, Mr. Mike. We do. Yes, we've got our music people to talk all about what it takes to perform live and the, what the, what what goes into live performances as well. So uh, we've got with us, of course, our uh, iconic uh, rock person. Uh, Michelle is here. Hello. Howdy. Hi. And uh, we've got some people who know a little bit about live performing, although it's probably been a while, uh, I guess. Uh, and uh, Ricky and Bambi are here. Hello, hello. hello. You guys remember how, what it what it's like to perform live, right? That was a very painful comment to listen to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, I'm wow, sorry. Mike, why don't you it just is, like you know put some claws on a chalkboard nice or something like that? I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it's uh, it, I know. It, you guys must be. I, how are you guys coping? All right. Yeah, it's just looking at the calendar, watching those dates fall off as as the the uh, quarantine stuff got the the date got pushed later i was like oh this is painful <laughs> we're coping but it's sad yeah well, some of our favorite shows to play yeah yeah well i uh, and and i miss seeing you guys play so i mean that it, it does go both ways there so um but yeah hopefully you know this is not too painful to, to talk about and reminisce but yeah, um yeah. Um, cause I'm really interested also, you know, we, we, like Mike said, we've all seen great shows. We've all seen maybe not so great shows, but, um, um, and, you know, I think some of us might even have, uh, a little bit of, 
or sort of knowledge about what it might take to perform live. Uh, you know, I've done, Mike and I have done live panels at conventions that are, are kind of, that are, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of performing in some ways. Um, the only other thing I can, uh, uh, you know, sort of account to is that I used to do, you know, theatrical plays, perform in that and, uh, and in choir in church way back in the day. So, um, but I would imagine there's a little bit of a different vibe. Um, when you're, when you're going, when you were first starting in music, I mean, I there's the music element, like creating the music and you're sort of creating in the studio environment and then it's performing live. And I would imagine it's, it doesn't take a different skill set. do you think? Oh, definitely. Yeah. No question. Yeah, it's definitely. There are studio music- musicians and there are like live performers. And oftentimes you're good at one and not so good at the other. And sometimes <laughs> you're not good at either one. <laughs> <laughs> so which, which, which did you guys, uh, let's say, start out to be? Like, which was your, your focus early on? Was it always live? Well, for me personally, uh, early on, I was just trying to figure out what I was doing. I mean, I, it, it was me and our current drummer, JJ, and I had a bass guitar and he had a snare drum and we were trying to figure out how to turn that into a band. So we didn't really know if we were going to be, we had never thought far enough ahead to think, are we going to be a, a live band or are we going to be a studio band? We just thought, how do you make music? Yeah. Can you guys hear us okay? Yeah, no, yeah, totally. Okay. Absolutely. That was going on. <laughs> um, Sorry. No, uh, um, I, I am curious about that. Yeah. So, so you just wanted to play music right at the beginning and it wasn't a question of, oh, should we like play this live or, I mean, I would imagine most of the musicians that you had sort of grew up with and sort of were inspirations were, were they live performers? Well, uh, yes. I mean, I, I was really into the police and the band that made me want to play was U2. And both of those bands were, um, I, I didn't know it at the time, but they were amazing in the studio and amazing live in two different ways. Uh, but, you know, when I first started, I, I'd never seen either one of them. And I didn't understand that it was a different set of skills performing live versus performing in the studio. Uh, I And I didn't know how, musically talented the police were and i didn't know how original and unique u2 was uh i just knew i liked their music and i wanted to make music but the thought of are we going to play live are we going to record in the studio all of that was uh really far off in the distance my more immediate thought was uh what instrument am i going to play I'm going to be in a band. We've got a name and we've got an album cover, <laughs> but I don't know what instrument I'm going to play. <laughs> so I'm not sure everybody went about it that way. <laughs> That's like me. Sometimes I, I, I've thought of like, Oh, you know, I, I could think of a concept that would make great toys, but Oh, I should probably think of a story to go with that. <laughs> I, I sometimes feel like in the beginning, it was like way out there. You see that thing out there? That's a cart. <laughs> and way back behind me back there, that's a horse. <laughs> so uh, 
JJ, fortunately being the easygoing guy that he is, just sort of showed up whenever I said that we were going to do something, and uh, <laughs> and he went along with whatever my stupid plan was. <laughs> what was, uh, do you recall your first live performance? Uh, the first time he and I ever played together was at his high school cafeteria. <laughs> okay. And uh, it was, uh, I, I think it was billed as a battle of the bands. Um, it just felt more like a, a concert where we were the terrible opening act. <laughs> <laughs> was it just the two of you? No, we had a guitar player at the time. And uh, right before the show, we fired our singer. And so our guitar player said, well, I could probably sing and play guitar at the same time. And I mean, really, it's important for me to emphasize none of us could do anything well. So the fact that he was trying to play guitar and sing at the same time, it, it might, uh, it might make some people think, wow, he could do both of those things at the same time. Really, none of us could do any of them. (laughs) So, uh, it, it was just a case of, uh, we sounded bad and, um, well, that's that's really it. We just sounded bad. <laughs> we, got up there and did it. we did. We got up there and did it. Yeah. Now, what about you, Bambi? What was your path toward a sort of to getting to perform live? Um, I started out in orchestra at school. I actually started out on viola, so I guess my first show was an orchestra performance in my in my orchestra at in middle school, actually middle school. And um, I guess as far as the rock band stuff. I can't, one of our, uh, I knew Ricky at the time, uh, one of his friends said she needs to play keyboards in our, in our band. And I was like, I don't play keyboards. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's all right. It'll be, it'll be fine. I'll show you what to do. Yeah. And that's, that was it. Yeah. It was all right. Okay. <laughs> so I started out with a little bit of keyboard and, uh, it moved on from there. And was, <laughs> one and, band later and, was like, Hey, you should be in our band too. It's like, you're a chick. Her band needs a chick. It's like okay. That's actually that, not not. Uh, uh, that was my redeeming quality. It had nothing to do with talent. It had to do with gender. And both of the uh, band leaders for both of those two bands were very open about telling you, mm-hmm. "We want you in the band because you're a chick." Yep. And it and doesn't matter that you can't play keyboards. I'll I'll show you what to do. Yeah. Yeah. So that was. And that seemed to be, obviously, that must have been a focus then to be a live band there, right? So, yeah, because it doesn't do any good, really, or much good to have a chick in the studio, right? Oh, no, no, that's not true at all. Uh, the first band was almost entirely a studio band. Oh, really? We just, you know, needed a girl in the pictures. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think, if I remember correctly, a lot of the keyboard parts were programmed already. It was, it was. I remember I actually I had to learn how to play the stuff, but I learned one song to play it live and everything else was pre-recorded. So I had to pretend I was playing for the live show because the keyboard parts were way beyond what I could do. <laughs> like just completely beyond what I could do. Apparently, uh I was the singer in that band and apparently singing the songs was way beyond what I could do. Because the one show that we did play went so horribly, horribly, horribly wrong that the band broke up before we finished the show. (laughs) Yeah, that was a that was a fun show. That was was actually my first rock band show. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Woohoo! Good times. Um, 
do you remember your first show that you saw live that you guys weren't in? Yes, my first show was Alabama at Six Flags. Oh, wow. Okay. My mom wanted to go. It was uh, at some point, I think it was shortly after we moved to to Georgia. I'm from Wyoming. Country's a lot bigger out in Wyoming. And Alabama is one of the few modern country bands that was acceptable (laughs) to the public out there. It was Garth Brooks and Alabama. People still liked them. But even Kenny Rogers was considered new, new country. Um. And so when we moved to Georgia, oh, oh my God, bands actually play here. So my mom was really excited when Alabama was playing at Six Flags. So she took me and we uh, went out there. It was storming so hard. They played about half a song before the PA cut out and they got it up and running again, apologized and said that they were going to have to cancel the show, but we could come back the following night for another, another free show. And that's what I did. So kind of my first two shows were Alabama. And then mm. shortly after that, Striper. <laughs> my, I was wow. My, my, brother, my <laughs> brother took me to see Striper at Six Flags because I, I was too young. I had to be take like somebody had to take me. And my brother liked the band Striper. And so I remember I went and saw the band Striper. Did you, en- did you enjoy those shows? They were fantastic, actually, both of them. It's, I don't, like my brother listened to Striper. I don't, I, I never really actually sat down and listened to them. But from that concert, I can still remember the lyrics from some of their songs. Wow. It was so catchy, and they were so phenomenally good. Alabama, I still remember, they were so good vocally. Just their vocal harmonies were intense. Mm -hmm. So very, very impressed. Michelle, what about you? Do you remember your first first concert? (laughs) First rock concert or first concert period? Sure, your first, uh, well, first or both. First first... concert period was... uh, Kenny Rogers, that new country yeah. uh, maniac that he was, opening uh-huh. for the Captain and Tennille. Ooh. Wow. Nice. <laughs> Goodness gracious. And then was that your choice? Yes. Okay. I was right. very into them at the time. Gotcha. And did it, uh, so that was your first show live. Was it, uh, what, how was that experience for you? Was it a good one? It was amazing. I yeah. thought it was the most amazing thing I had ever seen. Interesting. And then your first rock show. My first rock show was Cheap Trick. Okay. Are they headlining? Uh, yeah. That must have been, was that much bigger venue? Uh, I'm not sure capacity wise. The, um, the Captain and Tennille show was at one of those, um, Fox theater type, um, theater palaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cheap Trick was at, uh, Palmer Auditorium, which was the, the, public auditorium of the Palmer Chiropractic College in Davenport, Iowa. I don't know what the seat capacity was, but at the time the Quad Cities got, we got the bands that were up and coming or the bands that were kind of on their way down, <laughs> the, the smaller bands. So. And that was, was that one good for you as well? Yeah. Yes. That was the one where Robin Zander wanted to use the phone. <laughs> I was, I was on the phone calling my mom in the lobby and the tour manager brought out Robin Zander and he yells at me, Robin Zander needs to use the phone. And I was like, I had just put my little dime in. Uh-huh. I date myself. I put the dime in and my mom was about to pick up. And I was like, this is my, I, I got to call my mom. <laughs> so my mom. Don't you know like, who this is? Come on. <laughs> so mom, the, the 
the show's over. Come pick us up. Bye. And so, so that was Robin Zander just kind of looked at me like I was a bug. So if I ever meet Robin Zander, I'm going to ask him if his call went through. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it was interesting that you said that um, you dated yourself because you, it was the calls were a dime, but and you used a phone uh, because uh, <laughs> most people don't even know what a, a, a phone is now. Uh, but um, as far as that goes, but um, but then you opened with the fact that you saw Captain NTL, so that's like that would date yourself probably yeah, more yeah. than that. Yeah, what, what can I say? And, and Kenny Rogers opened. I date them. myself. It's going really well. But don't vote. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mike, what about you? It's the first first show. For, oh, first show ever that I went to was Woodstock, of course. Of course, yes. We've yeah. discussed that. And you talked about remember that, that right? Yeah, I was two and a half. How can I really remember? So what's the first show I you remember re- going to? Um, first show that I remember going to, it either had to be Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I was probably like five or six. Mm-hmm. Or I definitely remember going to see the Bee Gees. With my mom and dad okay at, at merriweather post pavilion outside of washington dc and, and were those like amazing experiences from what i remember it was yeah <laughs> um you know i was i think i was probably like nine when we did uh the bgs so it was probably 1976 right before they went fully disco with saturday mm-hmm. fever mm-hmm. and so that was you know you know, so my mom was a huge Bee Gees fan. And then also I remember seeing Peter Frampton around that time also at the same location. Wow. And was pretty awesome. And that I was blown away with even at that age. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first concert I went to on my own was Billy Joel when he did the Nylon Curtain Tour. Okay. Um, went with my sister and... I uh, took my sister, took my friend Eric, and I think it was one other person that I was dating at the time. And we all went to see it at the Capitol Center in Washington, D.C. Well, L- Landover, Maryland, to be exact. So mm. it was pretty cool. And it was it was awesome to go see that. And probably since then, I've probably seen hundreds of concerts since. Sure, sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, I um, uh, Ricky, what about you? What was the first show you saw? I am not positive if I've if I saw classical shows before this. I'm pretty sure I I'm pretty sure I have seen other genres of music before this. But the first rock show that I I decided to go to uh was REM. And it was at the Omni. And the opening act was the Indigo Girls. Oh wow! Oh, that's awesome. That's a that's a very very Georgia rock show. Yes, it was. <laughs> and Michael Stipe came out and sang with the Indigo Girls on the song that he sang on their self titled album. Kids Fear, Kid Fears, wasn't it? I think. Uh, maybe. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I saw them the same tour, but they were opening for um, they were opening for the Violent Femmes. Oh, really? Yes. And R.E.M. was playing the same night in Washington, D.C., and he came out and sang with them also. And I was like, oh, my God, that's Michael Stipe. It's Michael Stipe. The woman I was with was like, who? That was our only date. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, the reason that I, I went to that show was uh, there was this girl <laughs> and she was a big REM fan. And I thought, you know, I, there's just no way she's going to go out with me, but she'll go see REM. So if I can just get REM tickets, she'll kind of like have to go out with me to go to the show. Uh <laughs> It didn't occur to me that there was also the option of her asking me for both tickets and taking another guy. Um, hindsight, that that could have happened. But uh, she ended up going to rehab. So that's one way to get out of a date. And uh, Wow. Wow. Up, they got a length to get out of dates with you, huh? And I Ouch. went, I ended up going with JJ. <laughs> And uh, <laughs> at the time, JJ was really into thrash and death metal. So I don't think that he was super excited about seeing REM. But uh, but his dad drove us down there and dropped us off because, you know, we weren't old enough to drive. And I don't think <laughs> I don't think my parents really understood that that's what was happening, actually. Now that I think about it, I don't think that's something my parents would have at all let me do. I don't remember being deceitful about it, but I I just, I guess I don't think they realized we were just getting dropped off at the Omni. Mm. Uh, and also, hi, hindsight, uh, JJ's dad probably would have enjoyed the show a lot more than, J, than JJ did. <laughs> uh, I also won tickets to Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians, and my mother wouldn't let me go because it was a school night. So I gave JJ the tickets and his dad took him and his dad loved the show, but oh, JJ did not. <laughs> Edie Brickell was so awesome in concert. I saw them for free. Um, I almost they, did because I won tickets. <laughs> <laughs> they used to, at, when I was in college, they used to, they had a, a concert hall called Hammerjacks in Baltimore. And they used to have a lot of newer bands play there. And also a lot of like novelty acts and stuff like that. And this is, it also was a biker bar sometimes. And it just depends what night of the week it was. And so they had announced a series of free shows over a couple of weeks. And I was trying to get people to come to see Edie Burkell because I had heard, you know, what I am first on the progressive station, the college radio station, basically. And no one wanted to go. So I went by myself and I had a blast. They were awesome to go see yeah, there that's what jj's dad said yeah they, <laughs> they they were great then when i told everyone after when they started playing hitting top 40 oh you never invited us to go see that and it's yeah. like yeah uh-huh sure they also on <laughs> um, the other band that was playing a free show there was living color wow which was awesome and it was it was right when they're CD was first was first hitting, and six months later they were opening for the Rolling Stones in the Steel yeah. Wheels tour. Mm. Well, the REM show that I saw was memorable for three reasons. Uh, one, it was REM. Of yeah, course, they, REM always puts on a great show. They really put on a good show. The second reason is uh, – I had completely got these tickets to go with this girl and ended up going with JJ. So that was memorable. Uh, and the third reason is the two girls that were standing behind us and we were really far back. <clears throat> we were in the nosebleeds and the two girls standing behind us 
were trying to see who could scream louder. And not like at the end of a song or scream at some, you know, climactic part of a song, just randomly. I'm pretty sure they weren't listening to the music. They were just trying to see how loud they could scream. Nice. And uh, <clears throat> that took me out of the moment a little bit. You think? Really? It's a yeah. downside of live performances. You have to put up with other people um, sometimes. But just to, you know, <laughs> to follow up the story, the, the girl that I had originally planned to take to this concert did go with me to go see The Who. So I was able to see The Who. And um, I was not interrupted at all by conversation with her because before the show started, she went to get something to drink and uh, apparently yeah. ran into some friends and didn't come back until the end of the show. Wow. Wow. Probably made it a much more enjoyable show for you, though. Uh, it didn't feel that way at the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could end, I could oh, man. My first concert experience, I can't, I, you know, I can't remember seeing any other types of music other than maybe like in church or whatever. I can't. So uh, my first concert was probably, um, well, no, I did see the Boston Symphony Orchestra, the uh, Boston Pops, actually, sorry, uh, the Boston Pops once. That was really like in the like late seventies, early eighties. So that I remember going to. But as far as rock shows or, or concerts of that nature, my first show was uh, Duran Duran at the oh, uh, wow. at wow. the at the Worcester Centrum, um, and uh, it was yeah, it was amazing. Um, at the time, I you know I I can't remember the name or even really much about the opening act uh other memories that i had was that yeah that's the first time i'd ever been in a venue like that big um and there were a lot of people there first time i smelled pot for the first time uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so uh yeah so i know mike smelled it like at woodstock for early on uh if dude at home, dude I, I, I smelled it way before woodstock come I on know you i know you <laughs> I know you did. You probably, you probably, yes. Uh, you probably have it embedded in your DNA. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that was a first for me. Um, and we had decent seats. They were not on the floor. They were in the lower level, but they were pretty, um, pretty good. Um, they were touring at the time. They were touring um, Seven and the Ragged Tiger. And I think the video for the reflex was out which was basically one of their live performances it was a live performance video it wasn't one of their concept videos which they were known for i think it was the first time they did like sort of a live performance type video and the show was exactly like that video pretty much i mean not like step by step or anything but it was it captured the feel of that pretty well um so uh and yeah they were a pretty great band to see live and and after that i you know um went to the, see a lot of other shows after that but that just that opened the door for that um so that was a great experience as far as i don't know what you look for in a show what makes a great live performance is i know uh, uh, i know that it varies you know I, I at least for my own sake it varies depending on you know who you're seeing sometimes you you want certain things out of an artist that you probably wouldn't expect out of somebody else but as far as what goes into doing a great live performance especially since you guys have 
have sort of, you know, done that as a living, so to speak. Well, we don't what, do great performances. As no, we no. But what do you shoot? <laughs> what do you, but what do you, what is your like goal? What do you shoot for? Is it, is it, is it music perfection? Is it connection with the audience? Is it, you know, I mean, what, um, what is it something that you guys shoot for doing a show live? Um, I'm actually going to answer this one without sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> I that's know that that's really that's unusual for me, but uh, but in all seriousness, when when I first started playing, probably for the first ten years, I focused one hundred percent on playing well, like you know, musically playing well, and I started playing in a different band that really put on a show. And that's when I realized that I don't enjoy playing complicated music well live. I I like writing complicated songs and recording complicated songs. But live, what I really enjoy is playing easy songs and playing to an audience that, that is really into it. And for me the absolute best feeling in the world is being on stage and having the band play really tight to an audience that wants to be there and hear you play. And there's just absolutely nothing better. And it doesn't matter what songs I'm playing. I hear bands all the time say, I'm sick of playing this song or I hate playing that song. And I don't get it because I want to play whatever song the crowd gets into. Mm. So for me, my goal is uh, for the band to be, you know, as tight as we can be, but I would definitely rather run around and act goofy and not be as tight um, if that helps get the crowd into it. And and just having a crowd that's really into it, the energy from that is just, it's really indescribable. Yeah, yeah, that is true. When you have, when you're in front of an audience, that gets what you're doing and mm-hmm. is on board with it. Not just they understand what you're doing, but they're enjoying it. That's amazing to me. Yeah. It's like having, having a thousand people in on the joke yeah. is, is awesome. I would imagine that you've been in scenarios where you've had to win a crowd over. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've had those, <laughs> those nights where it's like, why do we do this? This is horrible. It's not yeah. many, but. No. There, there have been some Be- miserable shows. Bambi and I know exactly yeah. what show we're about to talk <laughs> <Yeah>. about. <laughs> we had a show where we did not win the crowd over. Yeah, when we were loading our gear and we'd never been there before, we were starting to put our stuff in there and people were ar- already complaining because they wanted to watch the game that was on there and they did not at all want live music. There was zero that we could do that would make them want us there. So it's like, even before we played our first song, we were being booed. Like, literally, they were booing us. Yep. Yeah. And we had to sit there for a three-hour show. It was the longest, most uncomfortable night. Just them yelling, you suck! It's like, we haven't even started yet. You don't even know. We do. (laughs) We'll agree with you. But at least wait until we play a song for you to start yelling how horrible we are. I'm not arguing. Come on. (laughs) Let us turn the uh, the equipment on before you start yelling but yeah, they had never seen us. We, it was first time there. It, it was just, it was just a horrible situation to walk into. So it's, 
that's that's horrible that mm-hmm. feels so uncomfortable we left the show saying that makes me not want to do this anymore <laughs> oh. it was so uncomfortable trying to even play through a song with there was one drunk lady that just kept screaming at us saying stop playing and there, it's like, oh. there were a few people there who were trying to be nice, yeah. you know, that were, they didn't want us there, but they understood that we were human beings. And so they were trying to be nice and they were trying to request songs that they liked. And I mean, they weren't being mean at all. They were just trying to be supportive and ask for songs. And every single song that they wanted to hear, we didn't know. I know that was so rude. And what's bad, it's like the staff that was there. We were there hired to be there. And the staff, it's like we were asked, they're like, should we just stop? They're like, I don't know. Our boss says you're supposed to play, so you gotta kind of play. And it's like, all right. So it's like the staff felt bad because they were getting yelled at because there was live music when nobody wanted live music. <laughs> so it's just it was such a horrible situation. But the cherry so on top of this flat tire was a uh <laughs> A friend of ours in another band, oh. and and we really liked this other he, band. Yeah. And he was just, he was one of those guys that just, he walked into a room and you knew he was a musician, and not just a musician, <laughs> but you knew he was one of the cool musicians. It's the first time he'd ever seen us. You know what's funny? After that show, he quit music, and he's not. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not even joking. He's a real estate agent now. He's like, I'm out of the wow. Business. Out of the business. Oh, right. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Man. I'm not even joking. <laughs> uh, I saw something kind of like this. Um, I think it was the late 80s. The replacements opened for Tom Petty. And it's a pairing that has, it's kind of legendary in music history now. Um, Petty fans wanted nothing to do with the replacements. The replacements wanted nothing to do with that tour. Their label put them on it for exposure i had tickets i went to see them at lakewood i was i was excited about both i thought it was great i'm wearing my replacements t-shirt i'm kind of two-thirds of the way back and reserved and replacements come on and i can feel literally feel it hit me in the back of the head like someone smacked me this wave of hate (laughs) rolling down from the lawn and the the booing and it was awful and the, you you I'm watching the band I've seen Tommy Stinson unstrap like three times and they keep shoving him back on and the band so clearly just wants yeah off oh, that stage that. and the crowd wants them off the stage and I'm sitting there trying to send love bombs please you can do it come on please it was really sad yeah. it was rough yeah, they, they're a lot of like really famous, I think, uh, weird pairings uh, where mm-hmm. like people of note, I think, uh, I think what did Prince open for Rolling Stones once and got booed off really? Yeah, uh, Justin, Timberlake. Justin Timberlake and AC/DC. ACDC. Oh, wow. What? Who would have thought? What? Like, uh, yeah. We <laughs> opened for ACDC. I've only been to one. I've only been to one concert where the people got booed off from the stage and it was the Steve Miller band because Steve Miller did not want to play any of his old stuff. 
Oh. And he he came out and people were yelling, jet airliner, you know, take the money and run, you know, the whole usual. Mm-hmm. And he says, I'm not going to be playing any of that tonight. I'm just going to be playing stuff from my new blues album I just came out with. And I'm going to play some blues classics. People started throwing things at the stage oh. and everything. And it was awful. They were booing. People were shouting. And, and he was like, guys, if you don't want to hear this, leave. You, this is a free this is america you could leave you know the whole thing and you know steve miller has an attitude anyway yes. and he basically just you know just started playing his blues and started and like within 20 minutes into it half the audience had already left and everything and people wow. and people and this was at a, a huge outdoor pavilion place he'd lost half the audience right there and it was just it, i had never heard anyone Booed, booed that viciously. I heard something similar happened with Neil Young here in Atlanta at Chastain. That um, that he wasn't playing. He didn't want to. He, he was just playing his his like uh, what was that album that he did that con- that concept album, the Green something. Oh. I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, but he wasn't there to play. You know. Uh, cinnamon girl or anything that anybody knew um he just wanted to play his new thing and you know um they did not want that and uh and they let him know it and i he had a real problem with playing in atlanta i think ever again i think there's he made a couple exceptions to that but ooh, it did not sit well with him chastain is a strange place it is yes that is not the place to go to to be creative like that that is not the crowd you get yeah uh well and i think too you know there's a i I hate to say it but you know these some like southern pop rock fans uh, i think are just kind of wired that way when we saw robert plant uh he was not playing led zeppelin he was playing his new stuff with his new band um, and he played a couple of songs that were Zeppelin tunes, but they were in a different style. They were different uh, arrangement. Uh, I thought they were cool. Um, it took me a while sometimes to figure out what the song was. I was like, oh, this is a Led Zeppelin song. But um, um, but I could tell the the crowd did not appreciate it. I think we came out of that show going, that was weird. That was one of the weirdest shows I think we went to. Jethro um, Tull did a show at uh at Chastain and uh they stopped the show in the middle and said, I'm sorry, are we interrupting your dinner? Should we come yeah. back later? <laughs> yeah, that was a that yeah, that's yeah. another problem with Chastain is yeah. that they've got all those dinner tables set up in the in the front. And yeah, they were one I think I don't know if they were one of the first venues to do that, but certainly they got a lot of heat from artists about it. I know I actually saw the Moody Blues uh, with the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra backing them at mm-hmm. Chastain, and it feels like that would be the perfect setting for that. That was oh. the worst time I'd ever seen them. Really? They sounded worse there. I mean, they played fine, but the audio, like the the sound, was terrible. Wow, I'm shocked. I saw John Denver there. Didn't hear a note, but I saw him. He was <laughs> down there. I saw him. <laughs> And ironically, the guy sitting next to me talked to his date the entire time about how last time he was at Chastain, the person sitting next to him talked through the whole show, and he didn't get to enjoy it at all. 
And I wanted to shove that cheese brick in his mouth and tell him, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I, I found that with Chastain, when we've sat on the lawn, it's a nightmare as far as dealing with other people. Uh, mm-hmm. But when we sit like in the assigned seats, it's way better. Um, that was the assigned yeah. seats. Yeah, I mean, it could, you know, I'm not saying it's a general, it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's a every time. But I found when we, like, because the times we sat on the lawn, you know, I mean, you, you get what you pay for, right? Because they're the cheap people. And um, it was kind of that way, too, when we saw Journey. The one thing that was that I noticed about because we saw Journey, Foreigner, and was it Night Ranger? We missed Night Ranger. Right, right. But I mean, they were on the bill. Yeah. Um, but that crowd was so they wanted to hear every song played like they knew it from the radio or from they knew it from the album because they were all singing along. They were not they they were not interested in any sort of stylistic changes. Or, I mean, neither, like, I don't think when we saw, when we saw Foreigner, I don't think any of the members were original no. members of the band. So it was basically a cover band calling They're themselves just a bunch Foreigner. of foreigners. Mm-hmm. And, oh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and Journey was a lot of the same guys, but of course it wasn't Steve Perry. It was, uh, what's his name? The, Arnell Pineda. Yeah, Arnell, who sounds really good. Mm-hmm. But man, if he doesn't hit the same notes that Steve did, the crowd was like, well, he sucks. You know, like um there's this real kind of tug of war that 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 exists with between people who you know i think want to hear the songs the way they know them as opposed to to hear them like to hear a band play just the way it can play right i mean as as doing covers you guys must experience that a little bit too not really yeah no you'd be surprised uh what the two responses that we get and you know it may just be that people don't want to come up to us and tell us we suck as any more than they already do but uh the two responses we usually get are you sound exactly like the album and i love the way that you completely change that from the way it sounds on the album yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so those are, but you know, both times people seem to be happy about it. I, I, my favorite is, I didn't know that was a cover song. I heard it on the radio, and they're like, "Somebody's covering your song." They realize, yeah. no, it's us covering somebody else's. Song. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, they were singing it wrong. And it's like, yeah, no, no, I, I, I just think wrong. They're like, that's the lyrics completely wrong. No, that's just me. I can't remember the lyrics. But just one, one more quick note about Chastain. Yeah. I've I've had a lot of shows that were disappointing at Chastain, but I saw the Indigo Girls there. And one of the big problems with Chastain is the music has to be so quiet because it's in the middle of the neighborhood. Mm. For those of you don't, who don't know, the Chastain Park Amphitheater is in the middle of a neighborhood, a very yes. expensive neighborhood. Yes. And so there's a noise ordinance and they have to be very quiet when they do the shows. Right. Well, when I saw the Indigo Girls... It was a predominantly female audience who knew all the words to the songs and sang along with everything. And it was beautiful. It was absolutely, I've never experienced anything like that before or since to have an audience filled with female voices who could all sing well, singing along with the songs. It was amazing. It was like surround sound. (laughs) That sounds cool. Um, Yeah. 
Go ahead, Mike. Sorry. Oh, no. It's funny, though, because Chastain, I've had good shows and I've gone to bad shows there. We've seen Lyle Lovett there. And he comes out and the first thing he says, thank you for inviting me to your dinner party. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've seen Weird Al there a few times. We've seen yeah. Bare Naked Ladies. We've seen, you know, we've seen Steve Miller Band, who we mentioned before, but that was one he wasn't boot off <laughs> you know and you he know was playing the hits. he was playing the hits. that's all he does anymore he does not even try doing the other anymore i would think the blues would be an improvement from steve miller Ooh, Ooh. and you know so and, and so it's it's just interesting and it's funny that you mentioned ricky you mentioned jethro tall because one of the best shows i had ever been to ever was at constitution hall up in Washington, D.C., and it was Jethro Tull. It was probably 1992, 91, and we had a blizzard, and they still put on the show, but only probably about two dozen people showed up, and wow. he invited everyone to, to sit up front with him, and he sat there with the flute, and he sat with his legs over the stage, and they just played to us. Oh, Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. I it saw was Jethro Fox. That was a great show. Oh, he, it was it's, back he, it's he amazing. Hurt, he hurt his leg or something, so he was in a wheelchair. It didn't slow him down one bit. He was wheeling back and forth across that stage like nobody's business. It was mm-hmm. awesome. So, uh, Michelle, so what is it, when you go to a live show, what's what's important to you? What is What makes a good live performance? Is it is it the quality music is it the connection with the audience is it i mean a combination of everything or is there anything that in particular that stands out that you look for that you come away that you must come away with and go that was a good show um goodness i don't go in um you know i try not to expect things um the one time I kind of did expect something, I really wanted the Water Boys to play Fisherman's Blues. And that <laughs> show was so brilliant, so transcendent and so brilliant. And then they cut it off without Fisherman's Blues. And I was sitting there in tears. They brought up the lights. I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> um, I, I, was, I was sad. We had um, talked, a lot we had... of people were sad. Um, I don't know. I I like to see... When the when the band is enjoying each other and they start to stretch a little bit, then they take you with them, and you know you're you're seeing something special. And then I've seen, I saw it with the Grateful Dead once. Um, um, not a good night, having sound problems, not not clicking, not happy. When the band's not happy, we're not going to be happy. No, exactly. And that's the thing. When the bands don't click up on stage, Mm -hmm. you can tell throughout the crowd, too. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be a huge band. If it could be a small, Mm -hmm. you know, local joint or something, and the band's just not clicking on all cylinders, you could totally tell. Mm -hmm. Is there something that you particularly look for, Mike, uh, with all your experiences? Or something like if you were, um, you know, uh, reviewing live performances what what do you look for what makes a great live performance them connecting with the audience whatever band it is it could be someone you know as big as you know paul mccartney or someone all the way down to radio cult or 
you know, some, far down. <laughs> well, I, I know, but you know, even some guy playing, playing a, a guitar acoustic night at a, at some place. And it's just, it's just amazing. If he connects, he or she connects with the audience, it's going to be a good show, no matter what. If you don't have that kind of chemistry, you're, it's going to be a bad show and it could be a well-established band and they are just going to have an off night. And, you know, I've seen both and, you know, I've gone to music festivals where there's, you know, probably 60 different bands playing throughout the festival. And, you know, if three or four of them don't click, those are the ones you're going to remember because it just didn't hit for you. Yeah. There's, which is weird because those should be, should be the ones you forget. <laughs> like, you know, you, like remember the good ones. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Like, I, I mean, I've, I've seen enough artists and sometimes you can tell like when an artist comes out and they're just like, we love you Atlanta. Like they just, they don't know where they are. They don't really care. They're just kind of saying that because that's, that's what they do with this at this time in the show. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they, like every single one of their shows is exactly the same. Um, and there's not really a set connection there. There's not a lot of leeway. You don't feel mm-hmm. like you don't feel like they're doing anything special for you, right? Well, like, exactly. And that's one of the things I hate when going to see live music is when the band plays the same set list over and over and over again for different shows. Yeah. And you know, like we've been seeing some bands. Um, sometimes we see them like two weeks later in a different town or something, and they they play the same exact set list as we saw them and it's like, Oh dude, change it up at least two or three songs or something. That's why I, Judy's going to kill me when I say this, I won't go see electric light orchestra again because we've seen them three times each show. It's the exact same show. It's the same exact show to a Mm. T. And it's like, and it's like literally like the last time when we saw them last year in Atlanta, it's like, okay, this is coming up next. I would whisper to Judy. She'd elbow me. She's no, it's not. (laughs) And it, I can, and it I was. Can, I can I can de- definitely tell you that uh, tell you that uh, from my experience seeing Radio Cult many 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 times, it's never the same show. That's only because we're not good enough to remember how to play the songs. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, your shows are, you, you guys don't give enough. You don't give yourself enough credit. You guys are really good, and they're really fun. You know, you guys do really fun shows too. So there is one thing I want to add, though. Uh, you were talking about when the band's not into it, you can tell. Mm-hmm. Some of the shows that I have had the best response from the crowd, some of the shows that people have told me, wow, you really put on a good show tonight, are the shows that I'm furious about something when I go on stage. Hmm. And yeah, yeah. One example of that is we were playing a show in Columbia, South Carolina. And oh, it was so, it was, it was so packed. packed. Packed there's a line people. of people outside waiting to get in it was so it was like for us really and a <laughs> it big, was so weird a big group of people who had come out to see us they'd never seen us at this venue they'd never seen us at this venue they were motorcycle riders yes and they were told at the front that they couldn't come in because of the dress code because they were wearing sleeveless shirts and while they were being told that other people with sleeveless shirts were walking in. Mm. What? It's huh. they didn't, they, the look of They them. just didn't want them there because they were bikers. Yeah, it was not a, it, it was a, I won't say that the, the type of restaurant it was, the name of it, because it kind of gives it away, but it was 
kind of a little bit more of a trendy, not really trendy, but. Well, it was a chain restaurant. Yeah, it was a chain restaurant. You know, they, they aren't exactly family, but they kind of are. And, you know, sports kind of bar type of thing. They have a bar, but it's mostly a restaurant. So it doesn't happen to rhyme. It doesn't rhyme with Crapplebees, is it? No. No. But it is that type of of place. Yeah. Only much bigger. And I just got so mad that, I mean, this was like, it was one of the guy's birthdays. Yeah. I mean, seriously, it was like. There was like a hundred of our friends had come out. Yeah, it was ridiculous. And, and our regulars had come out too. Like just, we have a, we used to have a really big crowd that would come see us at that venue in particular. But for right. whatever reason, that one night, it was like everybody decided to come out. So and uh, <laughs> and when I get angry, I tend to get even more sarcastic than usual. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so like, it was like, take the mic away from him. Get the mic away from him. <laughs> well, his song. Just make him sing his song. <laughs> but no, I mean, you make it sound like yeah, I, I was know. saying mean things, and I wasn't. But... You were saying some stuff that if the crowd wouldn't know unless they knew what was going on, right. you were making some comments. It's like, oh, God, I hope the manager didn't hear that. <laughs> it it wasn't anything direct. Yeah. But yeah. And uh but but I was just so mad that um, I guess when I get that angry, some nights I... That energy has to go somewhere. Right. The energy has to go somewhere and it goes into the show. And I remember when we got off the stage, some of our friends who did not know what was going, what, what had happened before the show were saying, man, that... You know, I don't know what you had for dinner, but whatever it is, you should have that before every show. And then, wow, you guys just went right into the metal stuff, right? Like early on. And then some of our friends who did know what was going on uh, were saying things to me like, man, we should piss you off before every show. <laughs> that was really good. There is something to that, I think, especially for rock music, because I can remember two performances in particular where uh where the artist uh in in, in i saw uh joan jet perform and at the cotton club and she was mad uh, i think there was somebody in the front row that was doing something that she didn't like or something and it was it was not a seated venue we were all right. just standing mm-hmm. there and but somebody was doing something that she didn't like and she was pissed but like it, she just channeled it into the music, and yeah, I mean, you you kind of expect Joan Jett to sound pissed all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing when I saw Social Distortion. It was in a little club. Uh, there were two guys, or uh, one guy in particular being particularly jerky, and he ended up getting in a fist fight um, with the lead singer. And um, but yeah, there's something about like I was like that. I mean, we're all like that's a cool thing. Like you know, I mean. <laughs> uh you know that happens at a rock show it doesn't happen at, at like john denver right <laughs> i watched very only bust a guy's nose just like explode across his face because he got pissed off at a show i mean it was it was good i don't know if you know it's the misfits mm. Misfits. i went to see Anth- it was anthrax and the misfits and uh, anthrax was opening up misfits was going to go on second and during anthrax show there was one drunk guy that kept hurling beer bottles at the stage and uh, Ian got so pissed, he called him out. He said, stop doing that. He's polite at first. He's like, don't, that's not cool. Went back in the show. The guy chucked the beer bottle. I mean, it was like two songs in where Ian got so pissed. He's like, that's it. Meet me out back. And next thing you know, he disappeared. And it was like 10 minutes later, Jerry only came out. It's like, um, 
we're sorry, but there was an altercation and Anthrax cannot finish. So we're just going to play twice as long. And he's like, but I want to point this out. Anybody who tries that shit with me, I ain't taking it outside. And <laughs> dumbass guy chucked the bottle at him. He just kept the show going, jumped off stage, walked up to him and just popped him in the nose. His nose exploded all over his face. He fell down. Jerry just jumped back up on the stage and continued going. It was uh, like, wow, that was intense. That, that's rock and roll. The man. sound of it was so cringeworthy. It's this crunching sound. Oh, it's so oh. cool. <laughs> well i don't know if uh, we can beat that so uh we're gonna wrap this up and uh you know what we'll, we'll each we'll each name uh the best live performer that uh we've seen so uh like the best the best of the best uh and we'll have you go first bambi if there's anything that you could think of that top that um what's the best who's the best live performer aerosmith by hands to, just by far they were amazing. I only got to see them once, but they were phenomenal. Just, oh, well, I wish I could be Steven Tyler. Just, oh my gosh, he was, all of them were on, just totally in, on, on point. It was amazing. They were great. Good show, good sound. It was incredible. I am so, so glad that that worked out for you because that did not that show did not a, a <laughs> yeah. Aerosmith show I would not put them on my my top oh. at all. Sorry, oh, yeah. uh, they're actually one of my least favorites, but I yeah. think it was an off night. But um, but no, good. I've heard that from other people, so that's awesome. Ricky, what about you? Man, that's tough. I've seen some good shows, and that Aerosmith show that that Bambi <laughs> saw, I was there. I went to go see Kiss, and I left saying, "Man, Aerosmith, <laughs> they were so good." They were so good. Uh, that show is probably on my top. That show is definitely on my top ten. But I saw Metallica on the uh, Black Album tour, and mm-hmm. they just that night they just killed it. Um, and every time I've seen Rush has been good, but mm-hmm. there was one night in particular I saw them where it was just even more than usual. Uh, those are three of my top shows. But, you know, if you ask me that a week from yeah. now, I'd probably give you some other answers yeah, as well. I guess that it, plus, I guess it depends on what kind of band you're talking about, because we've seen a lot of local bands too. And there's one band that I was blown away by that you probably wouldn't know. Just, I heard them off. Bright Light was, Social Exactly. Hour. It was Bright Light Social Hour. The, the show was so good. And it was just... They were a band from Texas that happened to be coming through. We were there. To, I can't even remember what band we were at the masquerade to see, but they were in purgatory. We were like up upstairs in heaven watching it. Some somebody plays probably typo negative. I don't know. But uh, coming downstairs, I heard a keyboard part going. I was like, that sounds really, really interesting. I want to go see what this is. Walked into the the little show and they blew me away. They were phenomenally good. Yep. They were so good. Cold Blue Rebels were good too. I thought they were good. Michelle, what about what about what about you? What's uh what's the uh, who's the best live performer that you've seen? I I get narrowed down to one. I saw Fred, <laughs> I saw Freddie. Well, that's yeah, that's hard to beat. Uh, yeah. Stones do Wheels tour and Prince Musicology tour. Mm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I've got a, I've got a seconder. I mean, it, there's no question for me. It's Prince. I've seen him four times. Wow. And uh, I mean, especially that last show, the Musicology tour was 
absolutely just special. It was one of those moments. I mean, the time opened for him. Um, so that made it even more special, but I mean, he just, he performs like nobody else. Uh, the shows are always different. Um, yeah, you never know what he's going to do. Uh, but, uh, the first time I saw him was for the love sexy tour. I was, I think only like three rows back three or six, something like that. So close. And yet, um, and it was in the round, I think. Um, but that was an amazing show. Um, yeah, there's, there's no question for me. It's Prince at the top. There's been other bands, uh, you know, Ricky, you mentioned you too. I saw them, uh, you know, for the, um, uh, Joshua tree tour. And that was, uh, I think prior to me seeing Prince, that was my top show that I'd ever seen. Uh, I was way in the back and yet they, they felt like they were playing to me. That is the uh, show that I regret missing. Mm. It, that tour, you two on the Joshua Tree tour. It was an amazing tour. It really was. Yeah, they, they played two nights in Atlanta on that tour, and the second night went down in Atlanta history as one of the best shows ever played. I went to the first. Oh. Uh, off yeah. night, off night. Yeah, well, I mean, they they all have them, right? Yeah. So um, everybody does. So, um, uh, Mike, what about you? Well, I'm sure everyone's expecting me to say the Grateful Dead concert is always an amazing experience, but it it's not the best that I've I've seen. Um, for me, you know, anytime getting to see Ben Folds is always amazing in concert. He just always puts on a great show. If it's just him and the piano, if him with a symphony, or if it's him with his band, it's just it's just awesome. But you know, I. I've been thinking about it and the best live show I've ever been to is a band I snuck into when I was 16 years old um, at the Bayou in Georgetown. There's some friends told me about this band from Athens, Georgia that I had never heard of before. And this is 1983. And basically I got to see REM when Murmur just came out. Oh, wow. And they blew the roof off the place. And I got snuck in. I was like nervous as hell because it was the first time I ever snuck into a club to go see a band and everything. And it was just an awesome, awesome show to go see. I would imagine that would be like just one of the most memorable experiences ever. It was. The close runner up to that is seeing Pearl Jam in 1991 in a warehouse in Seattle. It was them smashing pumpkins and screaming trees. Wow. Seattle sound. Exactly. And it was, it was just awesome. So yeah, those, those were some of my best shows and any show I go to is a memorable one. Just going to see live music is always great. Well, hopefully we get that to do that again pretty soon. And hopefully you guys, uh, you guys get to play live music soon um so um but it's been really fun talking about this and uh yeah i guess as most live shows end we'll just say uh good night we love you um (laughs) (laughs) nice and And then we'll we'll go away and there'll be silence for a minute (laughs) and we'll wait for the listeners to like see they'll start stomping and then yeah yeah we'll we'll be we'll be right back after this message for an encore to close out the show Start lighting your lighters, folks.
everyone these days could use a little support. And your friends at the ESO Network are no different with the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us, it's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO Network. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for being here tonight. Ricky and Bambi, thank you so much. Yeah, thank yeah. you for having us. I would say, do you guys have shows to promote? But that would just, <laughs> that would just be teasing you guys. Oh, ouch. <laughs> oh. Could people find you guys online? Yeah, a lot now since since the self-quarantine. I'm on a, online a lot. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, even Twitter some. But awesome. yeah, so uh, Facebook, Radio Cult, or RadioCult.com, Instagram, or I think Radio Cult Band on Instagram, but I'm not positive. But yeah, you can just look up Radio Cult and whatever social media you want to look up. We're probably there. I didn't want to torture you guys that way. Sorry. And I just want to say... If you're cold outside, so are your local musicians. Remember, local musicians need warmth too. Uh, so, if if you're thinking, you know, it's it's too cold to be out, just remember that they're out there on the streets, and uh, you should offer them a warm meal and a, a place to be inside. <laughs> oh God, yeah, definitely help support your local musicians. A lot of them are doing free concerts on you know online throughout on any multimedia on youtube on you know facebook on instagram there's look up your favorite band they'll be talking about where they're playing online and a lot of them are doing um patreons or doing you know gofundmes or even paypals and such so that way they can put some food on their table a lot of these people out there are not big megastars in there or anything these people need help and this is affecting them just as much as you and me mm -hmm. so definitely you know support your local musician as i like to say rah rah <laughs> and of course michelle thank you so much thank you and um on those same lines let me i'll, I'll try to be fast uh let me plug something um live nation the uh, uh, concert promotion company has um ponied up $10 million for uh, Crew Nation. Um, with the live music industry on pause, um, the people behind the scenes are, are left kind of stranded. The caterers, the truck drivers, the roadies, the uh, t-shirt sellers. And uh, Crew Nation is a fund to, uh, to help those folks through this time. Um, you can, if you go to livenationentertainment.com, there's a section of their website for this. You can donate, you can buy merchandise. Um, we're all being asked to help, um, but if you're if you're looking for a unique way to help, um, that's a good thing to look into. That is awesome. That is really good stuff. And Mr. Mike, we made it to another episode, sir. We did, we did, and as always, it's my pleasure. And anything you want to shout out about, my friend? Uh, yeah, I had the pleasure of being on a uh, another podcast. Uh, <gasps> that's Consider me shocked. And it's and it's actually on the ESO network. It is the Watchathon of Rassilon. Uh, I joined uh, Tony and Joe 
um, and to talk about the fifth Doctor story, The Visitation, which I've never seen before and actually quite enjoyed. So, um, yeah, so you can hear us talk in detail about uh, Peter Davison and his three companions. That's when he had three. Uh, <laughs> and um, uh, before he lo- right before he lost one. Uh, and a, uh, and a, a robot of death. Uh, which is always really cool. So um, good stuff. And they are great people to hang out with. If you guys are not familiar with Watchathon Wrestling, uh, Tony and Joe are fun. And uh, I'd love to join them again. So maybe sometime soon. But in the meantime, yeah, we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Okay. Most definitely. They're fun podcasts to listen to, folks. And definitely worth listening to and watching and hearing and such. So very cool. My shout out real quick is to the show that we just got done binge watching is called Unorthodox. And it's a show about woman leaving. How do I say this? She's leaving the, not the Jewish religion, but the ultra Orthodox Hasidic uh, sect of it. And on Netflix, they did a four part serial on it. And, it was a wonderful, wonderful show, and some some people are not familiar with it. Some people are with the whole culture. Uh, people up in New York, especially in Brooklyn, they have the whole Williamsburg area, which is filled with uh, very much the Hasidic uh, Jews, and it's just it's a whole different culture, even than from the American culture. They do not assimilate into the American culture or such, and they don't even speak English in the home. It's pretty amazing. And this woman escapes from it and doesn't feel part of it and wants to start her own life. And just about being exposed to Western culture for the first time. It's pretty amazing. And it's on Netflix and definitely worth checking out. Speaking of checking out, like we said earlier, please folks help out some of these struggling artists um, we're getting some very special things going on, concerts, um, you know, put on to help, you know, the frontline victims and people who are working the front lines for the coronavirus. And it's just, these people are unsung heroes. And it's just, if you ever get a chance, thank them, do something to help them out. It's just, it's just amazing what you can do and what, how you can help people out these days. And you know, sometimes people are feeling very depressed and alone being, you know, stuck up in their homes and such. Some places are freeing up the, you know, their rules and restrictions. Be safe, folks. Be smart. Don't go out there and just, you know, pretend that nothing's going happening or anything. You still have to protect yourself. This is not over by any means. And folks, we need to, you know, protect ourselves by any chance you can it's going to be a really long time until the world really gets back to normal and we don't even know what the new normal is going to be it's just going to be a very interesting time if you would have asked us two months ago hey are you guys going to be you know getting ready for summer and everything and you know this last weekend was supposed to be you know our summer movie start with black widow was supposed to be this last weekend and, you know, folks, 
we don't even know when we're going to go back to the movies to go see first run stuff. So it's going to be a lot of interesting things to do, but thank you for listening to us and keep, hopefully we can help entertain you guys. And that's why we did the game show at the front of the show. And we'll probably be doing more of that real soon. So if you enjoyed it, please write us or station one at esonetwork.com. We definitely would love to hear from you and, you know, we'll refine the show a little bit and, you know, maybe you want to join us for the game show. That way, you know, Mr. Mike doesn't have to feel like he has to be on it all the time and everything. And try to, <laughs> you know, try to answer all these questions and such. So it's pretty cool though. And we're going to have a lot of fun. You never know who's going to be joining us for the show. And that's the great thing about it. And speaking of joining us for the show, please once again, join us here next week when we are going to go where no one has gone before. We are going to go look at Picard season one. That's right, folks. CBS All Access. We've all, you know, watched it. You know, you can watch it for free right now for 30 days. And we don't even get paid by these guys. So come on. You know, it's Picard. It's awesome to see him back. (laughs) Did we like it? Did we not? We're going to talk all about it next week. But on behalf of myself, Mr. Mike Gordon, Ricky and Bambi, and of course, Michelle, thank you guys so, so much for joining us on Earth Station One. We'll see you here next time. Peace and take care of yourselves. And we're done. Boom. Yum, yeah. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Public store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.